Welcome to Bewildered. I'm Martha Beck, here with Rowan Mangan. At this crazy moment in history, a lot of people are feeling bewildered, but that actually may be a sign we're on track. Human culture teaches us to come to consensus, but nature, our own true nature, helps us come to our senses. Rowan and I believe that the best way to figure it all out is by going through bewilderment into bewilderment. That's why we're here. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. Hi, I'm Martha Beck. And I'm Rowan Mangan, and this is, yes, it sure is, another episode of Bewildered, the podcast for people trying to figure it out. Woo! How are you, Muddy? Baffled as crap because I'm trying to write a damn book that I keep oh. starting over on. So Why yes, do you I keep am- insisting on writing these books? Oh, I it's just I, I think I've got it done, and then I just it just starts to come out again. It's a little bit like having a runny nose, really. But then you have to make something beautiful and decorative out of what comes out. It's awful. It's great. I'm loving it. How you doing? (laughs) You know, I can't complain. I mean, I mean that figuratively. I will complain. Oh, yeah. Obviously, there will be complaints. (laughs) Actually, I would like to complain right now. For those of you watching on YouTube, I've broken my glasses and I'm wearing glasses that are half on and half off and it's um well baby that is a quick ticket to seasickness <laughs> i've had that problem so many times i um yeah it, I, I feel i already feel kind of unsteady yeah. it's like err, err. Yeah. yeah your inner ear goes what and yeah mm-hmm. yeah so, sorry you broke your glasses or so I think like Lila. i said like i said can't complain but i will <laughs> then Sorry. clearly you can, but you may not. You may not. Fair enough. You'll figure out how to deal with that. What else are you trying to figure out, Rowie? Okay. I have a piece to mm. say. Oh, my goodness. So this is what I'm trying to figure out, Marty. Mm. Is it a feature of our time, mm-hmm. of this very specific time that Today. we live in, that we all now watch TV that's in our own language and movies, but we switch the subtitles on because that's a thing that well, we yeah. can do, right? That's everyone, yeah. right? I think yeah. it's pretty much everyone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in many ways, it life is greatly enhanced True. by having the subtitles, right? Mm-hmm. But, our, like, we have certain experiences when we watch television with the subtitles yes. on that I wonder if they're universal. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. So one of the things that you and I take great umbrage with is like the number of (sighs) type sounds that are subtitled as 
scoffs. Right. It's weird because in my life, scoff was a very specific thing yeah, that you well, do. If I came to you and said, Rowie, show me a scoff, what would you do? Oh, exactly. Pshaw. <laughs> it's spelled pshaw. Mine's spelled four. Four. That's four. the Australian. Pshaw. <laughs> it goes yeah. the other direction. But there are all kinds of things that are labelled scoffs these days. It's true. I, I've noticed this, which shows you how much is going on in our lives. I know, right? We were talking, like this even makes it worse, we were talking on international Zoom call to my father and stepmother about this because uh-huh. that's how busy our lives are. <laughs> um, and Dad was saying, like, his favourite version of this is when you just, it's never the words they say that are funny, it's the descriptions of what they're doing. Ah. And so so my dad's favourite was just when it just says, pants. <laughs> and he oh, you finds mean like, that delightful. Like, like someone's going, <laughs> but like, pants. Pants. Like, pants. And it, I saw a meme recently that had, you know there's that show called Stranger Things? No, but. All right. I'll go There's there. a massive cultural phenomenon of a show called Stranger Things. Well, that's why I don't know anything about it. That's right. And there's a character in the show called Eleven. Ah. Okay. And so then I saw a great meme that was built from a, uh, a still from the show with the mm-hmm. subtitles turned on, but then the title of the meme was Me Packing for a Weekend Away, and the subtitle said Eleven Pants. <laughs> <laughs> and I found it delightful. That's a, that is a long, long way to go for a punchline. But you know what? It's worth it. Hey. It's worth it. Hey. I. You know what? Hmm? Scoffs. <laughs> I, <laughs> I scoff <laughs> at that right I now. Scoff at you. <laughs> oh, Actually, I think that's delicious. What are you trying to figure out if you're so smart? Rowie, really, I am trying to figure out... How to tolerate a future trip to the home of your birth, uh-huh. to the uh-huh. land of your birth. The Antipodes, Australia itself. Because, yes, you know, I'm all about the wildlife and I've been looking them up and there are weird damn things in your home country of Australia. Famously. I was and not just for- the people. <laughs> I was looking forward to perhaps cuddling a koala. I mean, what good red-blooded American child does not grow up wanting to cuddle a koala? They tell us they're cuddly. And then you look at their feet. I challenge anyone listening to this to go look up koala feet and not have nightmares for weeks. First of all, I'd just like to wager that 1% or less of our listenership will look up koala feet based on I bet we'll get emails showing like their horror-stricken faces or them scoffing at koala feet. (laughs) They might pants. It's they, they might pants. They might 11 pants. I'm not even kidding. Koala front paws have three fangy little toes. I guess those would be claws. But again, then even they, their toes have teeth. They ha- And their toes, this is the weird thing. They don't have opposable thumbs. They have two opposable thumbs that are parallel to each other. Imagine, if you will, a human hand with claws, claws, claws on it, where instead of one thumb sticking out, there are three fingers and two thumbs sticking out parallel to each other. It will shake you when you see this. But shake if they've you got, emotionally. If they've got two opposable thumbs, you'd think they'd be 
you know, the overlords of us by they now. probably are building technologies we can't even imagine and hiding them out there in the desert. And yeah. then their hind paws look like something's been cut off. They just have <laughs> this three toes and this random nub. It's wrong. It's wrong. I don't see how evolution could have selected for it. I think it's got to be like master lords from some other planet. Mm. Yeah. No, Plus, so. wombats, another of your home buddies, poop in cubes. Cubes, I tell you. That's I'm not, not joking. It's not my fault. It is too. Look, somebody's got, I'm going to write a letter to the government. And like. you Just requesting that wombats begin pooping in ovals. Normal ways. Spheres. Yes, yes. Cubicle poop might just blow my entire mind if I see it. You better protect me. And then, you know, I just read a book in which a platypus almost kills someone. A platypus would just kill you as look at you, I find. And if if they weren't seven inches long and aquatic, I would be afraid for our child's life if we go to America. I mean, to Australia. <laughs> the platypuses would kill her. Yeah. You know, I only found out quite recently... Well, let's just say it's not that recently, but later than you'd think <laughs> that platypus are as small as they are. I somehow grew up because they're quite elusive mm -hmm. in the Australian context. They're hard to like, they don't just, pin like, down. Come out of the tap when you turn on the water. No, no, that's snakes and spiders. Okay. Um, and I really thought they were big. Like I thought they were like roughly wombat sized. Mm, but slimmer. What, about the size of a koala? Oh, this is so confusing. It's it also is. relative, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. It, well, marsupials are relative. It's horrifying. I'm really sorry. I'll work on the shape of their poop before we get there. Thank you. Thank pants. 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 Scoff. <laughs> oh, Marty, I really feel like we should move on to today's yeah, topic, Yeah, I think don't we you? really should. It's enough time has been spent in these horrors. Sure. Agreed. We'll be right back with more Bewildered. I have a favour to ask. You might not know this, but ratings and reviews are like gold in the podcasting universe. They get podcasts in front of more faces, more eyes, more ears, all the bits that you could have a podcast in front of. That's what they do. So it would help us enormously if you would consider going over to your favourite podcasting app, especially if it's Apple. And giving us a few stars, maybe even five, maybe even six. If you can find a way to hack the system, I wouldn't complain. And um, a review would be also be wonderful. We read them all and love them. So thank you very much in advance. Let's just go out there and bewilder the world. Mwah. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass, and we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. Okay, 
So what is today's topic, Ro? So we're going to talk about the old making dreams come true. Oh, that. That old one. It's an idiom, but what are we going to... It's not just an idiom. Yeah, what is it? It's a topic of a podcast. (laughs) It's a topic. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not every dream, right? It's not the dream where a wombat kills you with its cubic poops. Nope. No, not even remotely. I sure hope it's not anyway. But, yeah, no, we want to talk about a very specific kind of of dream, those magical, huge, big dreams, the I want to change my life dreams, right? Right. Like you can have bucket list dreams like Mm -hmm. I saw the Mona Lisa. I'm glad I did. It didn't really change my life. I'm excited to have seen it, but it's not going to change my life. It might have changed someone else's life. It may have. Yeah, maybe somebody saw it and went that that is going to shape the rest of my life and became an art history major and just stands there by the Mona Lisa now. Hmm. I can see that happening. Yeah, but it wasn't yours. It was not my direction in life Hmm. that was affected by the Mona Lisa. It was just a checklist on my, a check on my bucket list. Mm -hmm. And that's great. I'm glad I have it. But the dreams we're talking about are the ones that change everything. And by the way, if you don't have dreams of how you want your life to go, you will adopt the dreams of the culture because you always follow what you're thinking about, but you don't know that you're thinking about a typical pattern of life for your culture, but that's the culture's dream. And you'll just end up letting your society dream your life for you. And that might not be good for you. Yeah. That's wild. That's yeah. horrifying. It's pants and scoffs and, <laughs> and, and just fears. Yeah. It's, um, it's like having someone throw a platypus right at you. Right at you, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I was thinking about this kind of dream as like way station dreams, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like they're your final destination. You've got this big dream to do this, that or the other. and But they're like they're a significant stopping point yeah. on your journey, like an interim destination. And and so like if our, if our lives are this big, beautiful arc Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. these these sort of dreams are significant enough stopping points that it almost feels like our true nature is kind of directing us toward them Mm -hmm, towards mm -hmm. each of them to keep us on the larger track ah yes it's like i always tell people life is like a game if you're getting warmer you're getting colder and it's almost like there are points that are red hot and you need to go to them and I love that way station means a, a stopping point on a longer journey i didn't really know that until we started to talk about this. Um, but yeah, moving from one important way station to another is basically writing the story of your life. So don't let anyone else make that map for you. Yeah, right. And I think so I have this vibe that if you that you can sort of glean a bit about what that like life arc can is gonna look mm-hmm. like overall by just as a fun exercise, plotting backwards and looking uh-huh. at the way stations you've sort of stopped at so far. Huh. And if each one's a point and you're like connecting the dots, you can be like, oh, this is this kind of a shape. Oh, I wonder what's going right. to be and the I, next point in that. I know you told me that you went to a, you wanted to go to a certain school because you were reading Enid Blyton books when you were a little girl and you mm-hmm. thought boarding school is the most fun thing in the world. Midnight. <laughs> Treats and Mamselle, the French teacher, and all the tricks we'd play on her. <laughs> oh, we laughed. How we laughed. How we laughed. But, and you didn't go to boarding school, but you did end up like 
finding your way as quite a young person to a school that was a long way away from you and put your life on a whole different path, yeah? Totally. And other people were at boarding school there. That's true. You know, like it was a boarding school. I just personally didn't sleep there. Oh, she was. (laughs) She was. And honestly, she's quite terrifying in the flesh. Is she really? Yeah. But you've talked fondly about other teachers. And sometimes... (laughs) No, there are people who are way stations. There are schools that are way stations. I was so baffled when my life arc took me out of academia. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that's over. I hate that. And then I just had to pick up a few classes at a business school and suddenly developed this longing to teach there, Hmm. which is so weird. I, I was out of academia. I didn't like business. Only in hindsight do I realize that that school was an international school. So all the students were big travelers who really ignited my own dreams of travel. And I also learned how to run a business, not knowing that I would later come to run my own business. And then I developed a passion for going to Africa. And that's where I met you. And then it was, we were there when we first thought, oh my gosh, maybe we should have a baby. I like all these and now questions. that very baby is what fuels, like complaining about her is what fuels most of the content for this podcast. That's probably Amazing. the reason for all of it. All of it. You taught business school in your 20s because we were going to have a baby to complain about in yeah. your 60s. <laughs> and listener, whoever you are, you are the end point of our Waystation journey for now. For now. That's it. So, yeah. yeah. And um, you actually put this idea in very concrete terms because you were sitting around the house the other day, literally planning a way station journey. Yeah. So regular listeners probably know where this little <laughs> line of, of conversation is going. But yeah, so I recently was, I thought I'll plunge into the, this new world order where we have robot overlords now. And I Ooh. asked ChatGPT to plot me a course from New Hope, Pennsylvania to San Jose, Costa Rica uh, by van, travelling by van, duh, and van. Like sleep camping in national forests and state parks and no more than five hours a day and da-da-da. And I was doing this. And we're going it to be. It was ta- very frightening to watch her doing this. She was talking as if to a person. Plot me a course. I was like, who is she talking to? Robot overlords. Mm-hmm. And the scary thing is that now they know where, where I'll be sleeping. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You can send the koalas for you. Oh my God, we're joking about it, but I'm actually really scared. All right. <laughs> so um, that was cool, I will say. And I was enjoying the. F- Van fantasy, the fantasy. The fantasy, a new description for your style of life. And we're going to be talking about how when you start dreaming Waystation dreams, which this literally was me planning the Waystation uh, of the dream. Yep. Of the van dream. The van dream. The fantasy. The fantasy. That's right. Hashtag van life fantasy. And, yeah, so we're going to be talking about how when you're dreaming these dreams, you're the culture will often like rise up to resist you. Mm -hmm. So what happened was I'm just happily chatting with the robots about how to run my life and Karen, our beloved, (laughs) rose up as she sometimes is wont to do and she said to me, you can't drive to Costa Rica. (gasps) 
and I was furious, mm. Marty, because I was pretty sure that what she was going to say was going to be culture dashing my dreams through yeah. my beloved Carrie Koo. And I stood up to meet her and I said, <laughs> why the hell not? She said, she looked me straight in the eye, Marty, and she said, you can't drive to Costa Rica because Costa Rica is an island. <laughs> At which point I asked ChatGPT to show us a little map <laughs> of Central America and how it works. So anyway, she wasn't being a a mouthpiece of the culture in that moment. She was just um, struggling from a little misunderstanding of, of geography. So that yeah. was good. And you were her the one who dashed her dream of sailing to the island of Costa Rica. That's true. I did dash her dream. Oh, yeah. sorry, Karen. So, yeah, because Ro is planning this way in her fantasy life, we've been talking about, like, what's our next way station dream along the road? And it turned out to be a combination of the the uh, figurative, it is a goal, a thing you want to do, and literal travel. Because we want, we decided that we want to live a kind of international life where we're very closely, like physically connected to what we think of as our global family, the people we li love who literally live all over the world. Hmm. And the thing is, it's not that we just thought this up. We've had it. I mean, you're from Australia. I think I've pointed out. <laughs> I think we've established so, that pretty clearly. From the moment we got together, it was assumed that we would, we'd be traveling back and forth and we both want to go back to Africa and travel and see other things. Um, you, I, I think, are dying to go back to skiing in Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> One of the great adventures of your <laughs> traveling life. Um, Kyrgyzstan's wonderful. The skiing, not so much, right? Anyway, it, it, the thing is then it, it was like pandemic and lockdown and pregnancy and little baby and all these obstacles. But here's the deal. As we realized sitting around the other day, the dream won't go away. And mm -hmm. hitting obstacles is not a sign that your dream isn't a real one or your way station dream isn't real. Mm. it's a sign that your dream is being tested. Will it stand up to the pressures of everyday life and remain stuck in your consciousness? Like, yeah, I want this, this, I dream of this. And this one did. And that's one of the signs that it's a real way station dream. Yeah. And so now we're like having a lot of fun, like trying to imagine our lives in different seasons where we'll be living and working from different places and being more mobile as a family and, um, it's super fun. Yeah, it, it sounds a little improbable, right? It did to me. Like, okay, we we went to Africa and back with a two-year-old. And you may have heard me say this, folks, already, but I look back, we thought this was going to be so hard, traveling mm. this these endless plane trips with a young toddler. And we were so uh, naive. We just thought it was going to be awful. We just, and we, we went through all these ridiculous possibilities about how bad it could be. Mm -hmm. But in actuality, it was so much worse. So much worse oh than we my ever thought God. it would be. I don't know. In fact, in fact, <laughs> at one point, Lila, a two-year-old, literally yelled in the airplane. First she yelled, I need more space. And then she was starting to yell, oh, my God. Oh, my God. We weren't popular. 
with the air flight attendants. And um, yeah, it- Marty had the unique experience for her as a mother, uh, leaning forward in an airport to catch her child's projectile vomit in her cupped hands, which is kind of beautiful if you don't think too much about the vomit of it all. Yeah, and there I was standing in an African airport. Sort of squatting. Yeah, kind of more squatting by the stroller where a child was screaming bitterly and I was, I just had this handful of, hands full of vomit, a Mm. memoir, a travel guide for mothers of toddlers, yay. It was horrible and it was, Totally worth it. Completely and totally worth it. Percent. Do it all over again with twice the vomit. <laughs> okay, but you get to catch at least one of the handfuls. All right. Um, it was. All right, we're, we're gonna we're okay. gonna argue about vomit offline. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, I just have to say that only our child, whom I still suspect is at least half um, some kind of weird Greek god, because we don't know who the donor is yet, really. Um, But she managed to vomit across two continents and an ocean. I think that is an almost, um, you know, Olympic godlike capacity. When she spews, she spews over seas. Anyway, a way station dream may have a lot of difficulty attached to it, but it's still exciting. It's still crazy exciting. And that's how you know it's real. It's got to be a little hard and it's got to be really exciting. And sort of like really fascinating too, like, you know, with, with this international life thing, you know, we just have, it's like we sort of just play with it like Play-Doh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. regularly we pull it out and just mold it into something that looks a little bit different and put it back again, pull yeah. it out again. And, and every now and then you make a little knob that is like, oh, I never thought of that before. We could mm-hmm. do this. And and what you want is it to look kind of weird. If, if you're doing something that looks perfectly doable and like things you've seen people do all your life, you're probably inside the culture still. And I think the fun is to push it beyond what the culture would tell you to do and and dream something weird that really excites you. And then you kind of know it's you. And also in my mind, it's kind of, I know it's sort of inspired because <laughs> I haven't learned it from the people around me. It's coming from somewhere else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is sort of links back to when we talked about the pull in an earlier episode mm, that we're right. being pulled by something mysterious that we right. can't quite understand. So it's going to be interesting. Um, so the so one of the things we were saying that is a sort of feature or a characteristic of a of a um, way station dream is that the culture will likely not like it very much. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about like what it looks like when the culture bites back against our dreams. Yeah, the culture will scoff. It will scoff like it crazy. It will And I have to say, most people never even get to the point where other folks like like our beloved Kariku can slap them down by telling them that a country is an island. Um, most people never get to the point where they risk even thinking they're real way station dreams because the the culture is sort of uh, the psychological word is introjected it's introjected into our thinking so that our very dreams are constrained by what the culture has taught us we can it can limit our dreams even before they're born by teaching us not to think of anything weird right right or you know by having internalized the voice of the culture we'll shout down our own dreams when they start rising before we can even really give voice to them ourselves well said yes that really happens yeah and then of course like if you can fight through those inner 
voices. I'm sure that, you know, we'll always find that the culture's always happy mm. to provide mouthpieces in the form of your mother-in-law or your co-worker or your kids or your mm. bestie. Somebody's always there saying something like, but you can't afford it. That's the that's the first one. Mm-hmm. How are you ever going to afford that? Or, or even, you know, what gives you the right to do that? Nobody does that. Mm-hmm. What about your responsibilities as a citizen, as, a, you know, whatever? Or <laughs> how are you going to figure that out? You're not good enough for that. Like, that takes talent and smart people. Yeah, and then there's like... qualifications. Hmm. Then there's like the the sort of snide ones where... What you hear is, yeah, it must be nice to be able to put yourself first like that. <laughs> well, I'd, ne- I'd never be able to do that without worrying too much about all the other people in my life and how much they need me. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that's that's one of the ones that people who identify as women are going to get hit with oh, yeah. a lot more. Hit hard. Your responsibilities to other. Yeah, I have that one. I, and I've heard actual examples that I've heard that actually tried to dash huge way station dreams that totally changed my life is you can't do that. No system exists to help you do that. Mm. My business, the seminars in Africa, no, that there's no system. You can't do that. Another thing I've heard is, wait, wait, wait. I just want to say about the system thing. Yeah. Like, it's fun when we're thinking about this in terms of mapping, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like what no system exists means you're drawing your map. You're not you're not following yes. what's been charted. There's no system for this. Well, exactly. Yep, yep. And then when you say that, people can come back at you with, well, that's awfully arrogant of you to think you could be the first one or the only one to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, and, and here's a favorite one in my family of origin. One of my brothers would always tell me, you know, pessimists are right a lot more often than optimists. I wouldn't have big dreams if I were you. You're going to be wrong. And I'm like, well, if I buy 25 lottery tickets and 24 of them don't win, but one does, am I not still ahead? <laughs> hmm. Yes. A friend of mine used to always get told by her sisters, um, Something along the lines of, that's kind of your thing though, isn't it? Like you don't really worry about your family as much as the rest of us do. Oh, yes. Oh, and then you probably are too young to remember this kind of thing. Um, also, you didn't grow up in Utah, but I remember my advisors telling me in high school after all our test results came back, Martha, you'd have such a bright future if you were a boy. Oh, that's lovely, isn't oh, it? Oh, that's sweet. Oh, yeah. In a completely different world, you yeah. might be able to make something of yourself. Yeah. And then I mm. got 11 pants and I wear. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. Well, actually, you only wear one of them, but. No, I'm wearing You've them got all 11. <laughs> <laughs> I always wear 11 pairs. <laughs> You're a weird, weird. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> so to me, these conversations like always kind of show up as a tension between the expansive sort of thinking that mm. characterizes waste station dreams and mm-hmm. the contractive stultifying thinking that the culture uses as a tool to keep us in our own lane conveyor belt factory insert every bloody metaphor we ever use on this podcast <laughs> here i love the word contractive i'm not sure it's real well it is now because you said it it's the opposite of expansive and well, it's better than contractual. 
Ooh, that's true. Although that's another form of culture, a very rigid form of cultural limit, right? But I think you're right. All cultures try to contract the dreams of the individual so that into a smaller and scarier way of thinking where, because that we can all have that in common. We can all understand. Nobody's going to be upset. No boats will be rocked. Mm. But way station dreams instead of asking you to be smaller and scarier, they ask you to be bigger and braver. They ask you to push past. Well, none of them ask you to be smaller and scarier. I think they ask you to be smaller and scarier. <laughs> See, that was that be was me. smaller and really scary, like, a, like a, <laughs> what are those little cute things that if they um, get wet or something, they turn into... Gremlins. Yeah, yeah, gremlins. Well, I think that came out as a Freudian slip because I'm afraid of platypuses. <laughs> <laughs> My God, not the <gasps> wall of feet. I'm telling you people, Google it. Marty, one of these days I'm going to tell you what shape platypus poo is and you are just going to lose your mind. Oh my gosh, it's going to be, should I prepare with like a dose of psychedelics or something so I can tolerate it? Oh, no, 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 you don't want to, you don't want to be tripping when you find out this information. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so cultures tell you to be smaller and more scared. Yeah. That your way of thinking should be smaller and more scared. And yeah. way station dreams require you to think bigger and more bravely. Mm, which, which requires courage. Mm. It, it really does. More like more and more I become aware of the, of courage as the as the most important quality that we can um, develop as we try and be wild ourselves, you know. Good and point. And I also think because this is a culture nature thing, it means we have to do our dreaming kind of strategically in places and with people where the voices of culture can't reach, mm. you know, either yeah. alone or in nature or with those who you can trust with your dreams, which isn't everyone. It isn't even everyone you love. Yeah, it's funny the extents to which we go. I mean, one of the reasons we had this was that we were out – um, in a place with very few people. And the people that were there, this was in South Africa and along the Lozi, the people that were there had come there to think big and dream bigger mm. dreams. Mm. And in that context, it created a little microculture where I think the energy of just one brain um, is wonderful. And people have built amazing things that just pushed individuals ahead. But for most of us, Finding a place that's away from the main culture, but maybe with a few people we know are thinking expansively, that can really be a, a holding space to to try to come up with your new way station dreams. Yeah. Yeah. So how should we go about doing the dreaming and then actually mm. realizing one of these way station dreams, Marty Moo? I will tell you, as I so often tell people things <laughs> in a minute. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash 
compass, and we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. <laughs> so how do we come to our senses around way station dreams and like the way that culture tries to dash them? Mm. Well, as with so many of these things, um, people think that people in our culture think that ideas about the future have to be conceptual, like think them through. But actually, you know, we talk about how the culture tells us to come to consensus and nature tells us to come to our senses. And it's mm. amazing how true that is for something as abstract seeming, abstract seeming as future dreams, way station dreams. It really is your physical senses that mm. help you identify them. That's so interesting. Like it's it's like sensations that rise up. Yeah. And and it's when people talk to me about them and they're like, I want to get a better job by this year. And they, they're just sitting there talking heads. And then if they can lose some of that formality and they start to talk about things that they yearn for, they start to actually gesture for it. They You know, mm -hmm. their, their voices change. Their bodies start trying to describe in the air the feeling mm -hmm. of getting what they want. It's actually the body that's informing the mind. And it's by focusing on physical sensations that I actually try to help people bring a way station dream into focus. Oh, that's fascinating, isn't it? It's it's so funny because it's like in the same way that we um, we we think things are going to be complicated. The head thinks hmm. that the how-to is going to be complicated. Right. But what we always tend to find in these conversations is that it's just about sinking back into your body and, and coming to your senses in a very literal way. Mm -hmm. I think it's also like the, I feel as though ha like having the, the way station dream, allowing it to, um, to like receiving it mm. is the hardest part in <laughs> the same way that, you know, because you have to pick past what's the culture and what's me right, and what's, right. um, and then the how to realize it once you've actually um, clarified what your dream is, <laughs> even if it takes time, I feel like the how is the easy part. That's just logistics. That's just so back of the envelope figuring it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm having this flashback to when my third child, Ellie, was seven and she said, um, I need to make a certain sound, mom. She was playing the piano already by then. And she said, I need a flute. And I was like, why does someone you know have a flute? And she said, no, I found a sound I need to make and only a flute can make it. Oh, that's so cool. And I was like, okay, you get a flute. And I remember spending more money than I had on that flute because there is something in reality that wants to help people to their way station dreams. It's so cool that like, cause that could stand in for the whole thing. I have a sound I want to make. Like, isn't I, that everything? I tell you is one short, weird story about this. I mean, I was so broke at the time and I took Ellie to this music store um, to get her flute repaired on her birthday. I remember. And the float was the flute I bought her at first was really cheap. And then there was this beautiful flute there and she was just looking at it. She wouldn't have asked for it, but I saw it. And I said, you know what? It's your birthday. I'm going to get you a new flute. And the teller at the music store said, it's also my birthday. And the people behind us in line said, one of the guys said, that's my birthday too. And another guy over in the store said, it's my birthday too. There were four people who had birthdays that day. Wow. And it was like, 
I could feel myself going, I, I don't have the money. I don't have the money. No, she needs a flute to make that sound. She needs this flute. And then this weird thing happened to say, yes, yes, yes. And I, you know, that's how I get all into my magical thinking parts, but happens to me all the time. And it's so the opposite of the way the culture thinks, mm. which mm. is always when this, then that, right? right? When I do something really pragmatic and boring, then I can do something interesting. When I win the lottery, right. I'll travel. When I get Once there, I eat I'll... my vegetables, I can have dessert. Yes. When I get the perfect job, I'll feel valued and I can have enough, uh, you know, to buy a car or whatever. It's always first how, then what. But mm. a way station dream comes as a big what. And the how is just math. That's so true. Solve for yeah. X, you know? Yeah. It's sort of like the um, Tim Ferriss thing about... Like, why are we deferring all the things we want to do with our lives to this like f ideal of of retirement? You know, right? like you have to eat your vegetables for fifty years and then you might go on a cruise. It's so oh, so soul destroying. Um, the other thing is that you were encouraging me the other day to practice what you were calling like fate accompli energy or mm, fate accompli yeah. thinking. So it was like instead of coming at these sort of things tentatively. It was like behave as though, you know, it was already happening. Yeah. I was really scared I was going to find a van parked in the front yard the next day because when I see you get that fait accompli energy, your brain goes into problem-solving mode and you, you, you create realities way faster than I ever expect. It's like kind of scary when you do it. And it's because you're just, you just settle into that it is done. Yeah, and I think that's that points to kind of another interesting thing about this this process of of dreaming, this sort of dream is that and we do get into friction sometimes mm -hmm. with this and have done recently about the van. Um <laughs> is that the fantasy space has to be its own realm for a certain mm -hmm. period of time, like mm -hmm. and and there's different physics there and there's different rules and and like when we rush to the you know, the, the classic is how, how are we going to afford it? It's always, right, always that one. That. It's in some form, right? Um, and to all the various realities, when you rush to that, it's it's a boner killer. You know, Ooh. like culture is a boner killer, frankly. Yes, yes. And that is my new Instagram ta uh, handle. Yeah. Culture is a I boner think, I think killer. that's going to go very well for you, Ro. I think in the lesbian community. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The lesbian community is a boner killer, frankly. <laughs> Actually, it's not. It's not. <laughs> no, actually, if you look at porn, <laughs> which I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a way station dream we've had. Oh. Oh. Anyway, sometimes I, um, you start to think like that and you actually think even more expansively than I do. And I'm not a stranger to this pr process, but you think so expansively. I will sometimes go, whoa, back into that smaller, scarier way of thinking. Hmm. And I literally, we do have friction about your fantasy life. And the other day I had to just shake it out of my hands and feet and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're in Waystation dream mode. It's hmm. okay that she's got a secret friend in her computer who's already telling her how to drive to Costa Rica. That's fine. She's just in expensive Waystation dreaming mode and the how will emerge and I don't need to be afraid of it. What I just heard you say, which is so interesting, is she's just in expensive PlayStation <laughs> dreaming mode. I just realized something. 
Australia is in fact pretty much an island. Well, I'm I'm just like in real time thinking about could there be some sort of amphibious fan that could drive to <laughs> islands and like is, a hovercraft? The fact that you're thinking this makes me afraid that it will happen tomorrow because you th- <laughs> honestly you do these things and they tend to you make them happen. And I must say you you work very very intensely to make them happen but also they just seem to happen to you in a in a pretty scary uh, wonderful way yeah yeah here's the thing yes along the lines of culture is a boner killer mm-hmm. a list of reasons why not mm. is the least creative thing you could ever write down on a piece of paper do yeah. you know what i mean like it's so easy oh. It's too easy. Why not? Yeah. Why not? You could come up with a that. Yeah. It makes me feel like ugh. It makes me feel like a huge clot of reasons why not just landed on me and like cold is, porridge. Yeah. And I scoff at it. Bleh, pshaw, Pets. Pshaw. Yeah. And and even the the thing about the reasons why not is that they are little flags sitting there to say stay small. Stay scared. Mm-hmm. Don't get big. Don't get brave because then your function as a little cog in this machine is is endangered. Because yeah, because stay the, small. Stay scared. Because the arc of your life, if it follows its full trajectory, could go way outside anything we're prepared to think about. Yeah, and one of the ways that we know it's nature mm. is that it does feel a certain way right in your body and we touched on that before but like there's there's for me when I'm on track in that way Mm -hmm. and the dream might seem outlandish to my mind Uh but I I have like a secret little knowing so embarrassing (laughs) oh boy I get this sense of calm in my body but like especially in my forearms like (laughs) Okay, that is not the body part I expected you to reference after that lead up. It's very embarrassing. I get a very warm feeling in my <laughs> forearms and wrists. <laughs> calm feeling. Very calm feeling. Yeah. It's all in the wrists, baby. Yeah, and I've actually seen you like like touch your forearms. Like that's that's a real thing. Isn't that interesting? It's the <laughs> boy, I'm just digging in deeper. That's what she okay. said. What I typically feel is this wash of electrical sensation and it almost feels like my I'm physically getting bigger like a snake ready to shed its skin Hmm. and sometimes I actually scratch my forehead as if I'm trying to like get out of the skin suit I'm in and become a platypus but I also find that I am actually unable to believe the dream will not come true no matter yeah. how improbable it seems, there's a thing in my head that is like a one-ray ratchet. And once I've dreamed the dream, it can't go back down. And you know why I think that is? What? That I reckon there's like in my woo-woo universe, mm-hmm. I actually believe why would we be given this dream if we weren't supposed to be the vehicle to realize it in this Mm. reality in this apparent reality in this Uh video game that we call reality like what uh, if we're not supposed to 
do it? What What's the point of thinking about it? Yeah, and it's the it's like in this little computer game of reality, that little edge of fear, that mm. little edge of this isn't possible. Mm. That's why it's a game. Like that's, that's why it has levels, so, dude. Yeah, that's why it's so fun when you beat a level on a game because it's the it's the figuring out how that's fun, and it may be quite simple once you figure it out. And culture is always the big boss of the game, mm. of each part of the game. You're always going to be defeating a boss that's culture right. and then moving to the next level. And the big boss is all the people around you going, you don't have time, you don't have money, you won't have the energy. But mm-hmm. that is always a feature of a way station dream, always, that you will have, you know, you're going to have to spend time and money and you don't have it. But that's not always true. No, you don't always have to spend something to make a way station dream come true, but you do always, always have to risk something. Mm. That's being wild. Always risk, yeah. So keep dreaming big dreams, people. We will see you at the next way station. And stay Stay wild. wild. We hope you're enjoying Bewildered. If you're in the USA and want to be notified when a new episode comes out, text the word WILD to 570-873-0144. We're also on Instagram. Our handle is Bewildered Podcast. You can follow us to get updates, hear funny snippets and outtakes, and chat with other fans of the show. Bewildered is produced by Scott Forster with support from the brilliant team at MBI. And remember, if you're having fun, please rate and review and stay wild. You know, what I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of fear and a growing amount of despair. Maybe you're feeling that way too, because the ways our culture has taught us to navigate the world, to navigate our lives, they are failing us. We need a new language. We need a new set of tools to find our way individually and as a group. And I know we can still do this. I put everything I do know about it into Wayfinder Life Coach Training. And the tools that I teach there are to help people redefine how we relate to each other, how we make a living, how we do community. We can only change the world for the better if we redefine how we think and the world needs Wayfinders now more than ever. So please go to marthabeck.com and you'll find your way. <laughs>